Hey, I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Coconut, the one simple app you need to manage your business finances when you're self-employed. With banking, bookkeeping, invoicing and tax all in one place. Get started today. Get coconut.com slash being freelance. And support also comes from With Jack. They help keep you in business by supporting you financially or legally if you have problems with a client. Get the freelance insurance you deserve. With monthly plans and zero cancellation fees, a With Jack policy gives you complete control over your protection. Visit withjack.co.uk and be a confident freelancer. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for lettering artist Julia Broughton. Eventually, I was just forced into being freelance because I'd literally go to work and lose money by having to give up calligraphy opportunities. I feel I'm fairly single-minded. If I want to do something, I'll just keep doing it until I get it. If I sort of give up, it means I didn't really want it anyway. I probably couldn't grow my business to include staff because I like doing things myself. I have real trouble letting things go and trusting someone else to do it as I want. So I will probably be a lone wolf forever. Yeah, so there is Julia, who you might know online as Letters by Julia. I've been following her for a while. She's part of the Being Freelance community over there. Come join us, beingfreelance.com. She's a former non-employee of the week winner as well, which is a, a live award ceremony that we do every Friday. It's um, really nice over in the community. Please do come join us. Nice, supportive, friendly bunch. Please come join us. There's a link at beingfreelance.com. Also at the website, you can check out our sponsors, our supporters, and be a supporter yourself by buying me coffee and biscuits. All of the details are at beingfreelance.com. You'll also find articles and videos. And yeah, anyway, Shall we find out what it's like being freelance for this week's guest? I reckon so. Uh, that is freelance lettering artist Julia Broughton. Hey, Julia. Hi. How about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Uh, so my journey with freelance has kind of, it's been intertwined with my journey with lettering. So I used to be an in-house designer for a greetings card company. I started at Hallmark way back when, and then I went on to work for Moonpig. And I discovered lettering whilst doing my job there and it just I became more and more interested in it my boss was always trying to force me away from the computer because I was heavily into using illustrator and vectors and all that sort of thing um, and lettering seemed to be the thing that got me into the real world and one fateful day in 2014 I think it was I took a calligraphy class and I just kind of discovered my thing. I instantly knew that was what I was supposed to be doing with my life. So it kind of took over all my work at work. Eventually, I started teaching on the side of work and getting commissions on the side of work. And eventually, I was just forced into being freelance because I'd literally go to work and lose money by having to give up <laughs> calligraphy <laughs> opportunities. So, I mean, I always assumed I would end up as a freelancer because... Being in the greetings card industry, it's kind of, it's quite niche. I didn't really see anywhere for me to go outside of it. I'm not an officially trained graphic designer. So I thought my income would probably be limited by staying in that industry. And I sort of saw freelance as a way to be a bit more varied in how I bring in money and 
the possibilities are endless, really. So, but it just all happened a bit sooner than I assumed it would, which is great. Wow. So while you were still working there and were starting to get commissions, like how were you... I don't know. I guess marketing yourself. Like, did you have a freelancer website or like, what were you doing? I did have a website for a very long time. Well, it probably actually wasn't a very long time, but it felt it. I was actually illustration by Julia because I thought I would end up being an illustrator. And so I had this website with a load of characters and things that I'd designed through work. And eventually more and more lettering started creeping on. But to be honest, all the work came through teaching. It kind of got my name out there. And the company I was teaching with, Quill London, they would send me out to events and all sorts of things. So that's, was how, that's how it was generated rather than via my website and everything. Once I decided to actually go freelance and make lettering my thing, I changed myself to Letters by Julia, rebranded everything, started a new website that was literally nothing but lettering. And then it kind of started snowballing from there but it it has mainly been sort of word of mouth and getting myself out there that's gotten me work rather than a website that's just kind of something I've pointed people to so word of mouth how how is that word of mouth spread quite a lot via social media and stuff or when I I used to teach calligraphy I'm going back to it now um for a few of the years there so people would come to my classes and then say a friend was having a wedding or whatever, back when I used to do wedding work, I'd say, oh, I learned calligraphy with this great, hopefully, calligrapher. You should <laughs> give her a ring or I, I'd get the work via Quill. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of that thing. Or people would find me via Instagram. I've got a few things via Instagram. Nowadays, and when I, when I started being seriously freelance, I sent out loads of po- postcards in the post so I could do nice calligraphy envelopes and really impress art directors rather than just sending off emails and things. So that's how I've got a lot of my commercial clients nowadays, by going old school. So your commercial clients have come from sending hard stuff in the post Yes. to what art directors at magazines or advertising agencies or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I, I use LinkedIn to just search out art directors from various publishers and magazines, or I'll just go into like WH Smith and look in the inside cover of a magazine because all the art directors and marketing people are listed. So I, I write down their names and then I do a little snooping on the internet to find addresses and things and then just send postcards of my work out into the world. And it's actually worked really well. I've managed to get uh, both Penguin, Random House and Walker Books as quite repeat clients via the postcards and people if they like it I mean it's quite nice having an envelope addressed in calligraphy and getting all these things so people show it around the office so I'll work with multiple teams within the same company so word spreads for me once I send work out into the world that's so nice do you customize what you send to people oh yeah I have set of I have like a set of the same postcards but I'll pick and choose which ones are suitable for each client. Say I'm sending them to a food magazine, anything I've got to do with food, because I like food, I write about it a lot. Um, I'll send, I'll make sure to send them that content. And then I include a letter that's personalized to each person 
with the postcards. I don't want to just send out random, here, art director, here's some stuff. I want to address the person by name, mention their company, why I like, like uh, uh, maybe a, a piece of work they've put out into the world that I like. You know, I don't want to just be generic about it. I want them to see that I actually do want to work with them. I'm not just begging for work. Mm. And you do that in your beautiful script, do you? Uh, <laughs> no, that's actually a typed letter because that would take me forever. <laughs> It's all branded, though. Oh, good. So any of us can do that. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it sounded like you started sort of running, as it were, because you, you were already, as you said, losing money by going into work, into a full-time job. Yeah. How long did it take you to feel comfortable with, like, a regular stream of, of work coming in? Well, I... I almost feel in a way that I cheated when I started freelance, even though I didn't, I was just being business smart, but you know, um, when I decided to leave my job, I went to Quill. I was already teaching on the side with them, but I said to keep me going, if I do go freelance, I'll need this amount of classes per month. Is that something you can do? And they said, yeah, great, do it. And then on the other side, when I left Moonpig, I, I had lots of ranges that they that were their best sellers. So I kind of used my leverage to say, look, I, want, I need to leave, but can you give me guaranteed freelance work each month? <laughs> and my boss at the time agreed. So just for the first year, I had a set amount of days that I would freelance for Moonpig and a set amount of classes that I would do for Quill. And that led to me being quite successful for my first year of freelance when that all ended the second year it was a little bit tougher because unfortunately that kept me so busy I had maybe neglected finding other clients a little bit I mean I did I did have other work but I don't think I was quite as I don't know I should I should have done a bit more so the second mm. year was a bit of a scramble to find other clients, which is fine. It all worked out fine. And because uh, I still do the odd bit of freelance for Moonpig, but I also started myself as a greetings card publisher in my own right. Uh, so now I design cards under the Letters by Julia brand. And then I currently license them to Moonpig. So say it's Christmas, I'll give them a selection of Christmas cards to choose from. They'll pick which ones they like, they'll adapt them to make them usable on their website. And then when they're sold, I earn a royalty. So as I get more and more cars on site, that's building up. So the second year and third year, which I'm now in, I'm gaining more money from that. It's becoming more of a sort of cornerstone of my business. So I'm going to be rolling that out to the high street, hopefully. So it's all these little extra ways that I use to build my income so I don't panic too much when publishers or whoever aren't knocking on my door at that very moment. Yeah, that's smart. So when you say you're going to hopefully roll it out to the high street, how do you go about that? Are you approaching people or do you have an agent who does it? or like how, uh, how? No, I could get an agent. I What I'm going to do is attend trade shows and then, yeah, I'll just display my ranges. I've got, I've designed all new stuff so the high street cars are different from the ones i put up on moonpig and hopefully nice shops will come along and say we want those please here is some money i'm hoping wow <laughs> and then would you have to get those created and post them out yes that's the only what i see as the downside of going to the high street i will then have to 
sort out all the printing, make sure I have all the stock and send them out into the world and hope they make it intact. So I'm not... Interesting. Yeah, I'm not the keenest on filling my house with boxes and boxes of cards, (laughs) but hopefully... It'll be a seamless process of them saying, we'll have a hundred of those. I order a hundred, I send them off and I don't have to keep them for too long. But I think I'm being very optimistic there. <laughs> yeah. What you want to do, because since you're very good at decorating things, you could just decorate the sides of the boxes with nice That's, script, that's a good point. I should. Right, with nice lettering. I should do And that. then even make it like it's a wall mural which is added insulation for your lounge or (laughs) pile a load of them in the middle, put a piece of wood on top and call it a coffee table. Like there's always ways around this. That is extremely smart. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like you, you have a lot of confidence in dealing with the business side of being freelance. Yeah, I think because I've always had that little voice in the back of my head saying one day you'll be a freelancer. I spent years and years of being in-house. I mean, in total, between the two companies, I was in-house for about eight years. I would just kind of research. I'd always be looking at design blogs and other people's social media and stuff. And a lot of creative people are freelancers when I, well, they just happen to be the ones I was following. So I just absorb all the advice. So when I did go freelance, I already knew about contracts. I already knew about how to save smartly for tax purposes and because I knew my industry within cards and that was still part of what I did I already knew what I was doing there so and yeah I I just I was extremely prepared that's all I can say really sensible (laughs) I was about to say how has your business evolved but we've clearly touched upon points but is there any other ways that we haven't um I suppose for me I the thing I really want to end up doing with my lettering is like way more commercial stuff. I I work heavily in publishing at the moment when I'm just purely doing lettering, but I really want to get out there and do like advertising and logos and things. My hero, my lettering hero is Alison Carmichael. And you might not know her name if you're not into lettering or design, but if you saw her work, you'd know all of it. It's like logos for King's Mill and Mr. Kipling. It's You'd walk into a supermarket and you'll see multiple examples of her work. And that's what I'm kind of aiming for. I want my lettering to kind of be synonymous with daily life. I want my mum and dad to be able to walk into Sainsbury's and say, oh, that's Julia's work there. Oh, there it is again. <laughs> that's That's how I want to evolve things. So everything else is all sort of a sideline to that kind of goal. And are you somebody who, like, if you have goals, are you somebody who, like, systematically works towards them or you've just picked that and it's in the distance somewhere in your mind? I mean, I'm always, always trying to get there. I'm always applying to get an agent or whatever because I think that will help open doors to the sort of bigger jobs. I just, I'm quite... I I feel I'm fairly single-minded. If I want to do something, I'll just keep doing it until... I get it. If I sort of give up, it means I didn't really want it anyway. I've tried many sort of little offshoots of business that I thought, oh, maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'll try that. It doesn't really go anywhere. And I just sort of leave it. And it's clear to me that that means that's not what I really wanted to do. Um, like with wedding work, to be honest, I, as a, I'm a calligrapher for part of my job. So weddings seem to be an obvious choice of things to do. But 
I just, I never really chased it. I'd get the odd bit of work here and there, place cards, um, table plans on mirrors and things, but I never really chased the work. It was always someone found me on Instagram or a friend for friend was getting married and they came to me. So weddings kind of died off for me and I decided to, that I just, I didn't want to do it. It almost got to a point where I was nervous if someone ever emailed me about doing invitations because I just didn't, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> so I just, I leave it behind. I move on. Does that mean that when you start to remove, I know, did you remove it from your website? Did you oh, yeah. take it off your Instagram? Yeah. One, one day I made a very bold choice. I had a whole section. Um, and I just unclicked the publish to site button one day. It felt like a really big deal, but then it was done and I was so relieved but then a few months later, I was actually going through my um, statistics in the back of my website, and I kept seeing pages uh, from the wedding section being viewed. And I thought, well, how the hell, how the hell are they getting to invitations? That's been taken down. And what I didn't realize was I'd unpublished the sort of landing page of weddings. But if I hadn't unpublished all the subsequent sections, like um, invitations, place cards, blah, blah. And people had bookmarked them and they kept coming back. So I had to quickly scramble to get them taken down so they didn't like start coming at me for doing an invitation suite or something. That's interesting in itself, though, that you're, that you're looking at your statistics. What else, when you're, when you're looking at those kind of metrics, are you looking for and how do you tweak things? Um, I, the main things I pay attention to are the most viewed uh, pages and things. I like to see where people are in the world that have looked at me just for curiosity's sake um yeah pages viewed I like to see which projects people are looking at and keep coming back to I get a lot of traffic to my shop which I find really strange because no one ever buys anything (laughs) I've got I've I've got to be just really honest about it I've got boxes of products that I've had for about four years now. No one bloody buys them. So <laughs> I'll get the odd card sale <laughs> here and there. I just, I want rid. I might just have a bonfire. But people keep coming back to the shop and keep looking at everything. I just wish they'd bloody buy something. Maybe the year of getting rid of my shop because I don't like dealing with it. I don't like having boxes of stuff in my living room. Uh, see previous discussion. So I may just get rid of it all get rid of the shop and focus on providing products for other people to sell for me. Because when someone else is selling my stuff, they'll sell it. It's fine. If I try to sell my stuff, no one. It's a nightmare. I don't know what the hell, what is wrong with me? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the thing though, is that, you know, selling stuff is is a job in itself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And I've tried craft shows. Nope. That's just really depressing. Something about me and me selling my own products, people just don't want. So I just, I've come to the point where I've accepted it. People (laughs) want, (laughs) and I'm just going to allow other people to do it. So it's fine. I think from my Instagram, like I'll try to pimp some of the things I'm selling on Instagram and it gets no engagement. I think I've, I've just got to come, I've just got to come to accept that on my Instagram, people want videos of me doing calligraphy and they want to learn stuff. They want my hints and tips. And that's fa- that's absolutely fine. If that's what the audience wants, that's what I need to give them. So I just need to try and offload a ton of notebooks and things and carry on my merry way. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny, though, because equally that shop, or at least the products in that shop, mm-hmm. um, 
act as a portfolio as well. Like yeah. uh, look at some look at some of the stuff. So yeah. maybe some people are looking, but they're not looking to buy. They're looking yeah. in a broader way. The trouble is, quite a few of the, the greetings cards are a bit more up to date, but the older products are my calligraphy from about three or four years ago. So I look at it now and I cringe slightly because I've come a long way. I'm, I've been doing calligraphy for five years now. So this was quite early stuff. This is a little bit painful for me to look at. So <laughs> maybe I don't want that to be a portfolio. <laughs> uh, so your Instagram. Yes. You do lots of stories then? Yes, I have started. I can't remember when I started. Maybe last year sometime. I, I used to keep my Instagram very much here is the lettering I'm doing, that's it. Then I started to realise that all the accounts that I really liked were ones where people talked to the camera and talked about what they were doing. So I decided to be brave and start doing that. I already, because I was teaching, I was kind of used to getting up and talking in front of people. So I was okay doing that and my jokes were landing, so that was okay. So I just applied it to my Instagram. At first, it was really weird. My friend, one of my friends, commented that I was using my phone voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. It all got a little bit more waitress, um, but, <laughs> but nowadays I think it's a bit more natural. And on the very rare occasion where I bump into someone who watches my Instagram, like at a calligraphy event or something they'll say oh I really love your stories they're really funny so that's reassured me into knowing that I should continue and it gets me really good engagement where I might not have the best engagement on actual posts when I sort of rant about something on my stories I'll get loads of dms and people just start having a chat with me so it's been really good from that point of view yeah I and I love it when you do show your um for example you might have a book that you've done the lettering for yeah and you'll be sort of showing off you're getting quite a collection now it seems yes i am i'm planning a post for the end of the year where i'm like holding the stack like this is an exclusive for my content um yeah i'm just i'm just really excited other people might be really cool about the work they're like oh yeah a few months ago i did this what but every time i receive a book in the post that's like i've got my lettering on it i literally do a little happy dance i just i can't get over it it's so exciting so i have to show the world like i'll take it and show my parents i'm 35 years old but i'm still like look mom look what i did so i just i just want to show the world and share my excitement and also you know i have a few art directors things that follow me and watch my story so i want them to see it as well so there's no there's no point in being coy i like the fact that you know they they get to see your work they also get to know you and yeah. the person that they might work with that said though like are most of your working relationships do you, do you meet people is it all remote no it's, it's pretty much all email to be honest um recently with a project i was working on with walker i actually went into their office to discuss lettering styles and they were showing me it was a, for a picture book and they were showing me previous books by the same illustrator and it was just so nice. I mean, it was nice to get out, you know, wear outdoor clothes and talk to humans. So I'm always really, I'm always game for an interview as long as it doesn't take like all day or some, or mad amount of traveling. I'm quite lucky because I can easily get into London from where I live. So half an hour talking to people, come back, done. Have you found good ways of like working with people remotely, given that you spent so long 
working in offices with the people you were working mm-hmm. with? Well, the thing is, when I was in the house, I it got to the point where I was a senior designer when I left Moonpig. I was pretty much in charge of my work and I would work fairly independently. And then we'd have like weekly team meetings where we show what we do and the design manager or art director would approve designs and stuff. But pretty much I was working independently and that's just carried on in my freelance. I'm I'm not someone who likes a constant back and forth. I re- What I really like about commercial work is people come to me and they say, this is the title of the book. We like this style of lettering that's on your website. Do it in that. By next Monday, we have this much money. Is that okay? And I say, yep, yep, yep. As long as it is enough money. <laughs> and then I just do it. And then I send it off and they might come back with a few tweaks and stuff, but that's pretty much the process. And I really like it. I like just being left to get on with things. I think that's why I've taken to freelance life so well, because I'm quite independent and I, I'm not really a, a group work kind of gal. Everyone says, oh, I work well in a team or I work great by myself like I like working by myself I've never liked team projects so (laughs) I just grown because I just want to do everything myself this is why I probably couldn't grow my business to include staff because I like doing things myself I have real trouble letting things go and trusting someone else to do it as I want so I will probably Mm. be a lone wolf forever I think unless it's you know, an accountant or someone doing emails, that's fine. Someone dealing with all of these boxes you're about to start sending to the high street. Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) How about socially, though? Like, are you part of any communities or like? Um, Well, part of the Being Freelance community. I don't know if you've heard of it. They're nice in there, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They like a biscuit. Um, I'm not really part of any real world communities. I tried a few like... um, wedding supplier meetups a couple of years ago but because weddings are only a small part of my business and now non-existent I I found it difficult to feel relevant or as involved Uh, I've I've tried a couple of things and I'll be honest I didn't really enjoy them that much I went to one and I just found it really depressing because everyone was bemoaning the fact that you could never have a full-time freelance career being creative. It's just too impossible these days. And I was just sitting there quietly thinking, well, I'm doing it. And what I do is really niche. So yeah, I just find it a bit depressing. All these people just giving up. And I just thought, well, maybe it's not for you then. But I have, like, one of my best friends is a freelance designer. So we have daily chats and stuff. We're fine. Um, but I'm quite... I'm, I'm well adapted for freelance life because I don't mind being on my own. I mean, I'll go out, see my friends, I'll go out with my partner and stuff, but I'm fine being on my own. Chatting to people via social media is fine for me. It would be nice to find a group, but they'd have to be the right kind of people. <laughs> That's nice about your friends, though. Do you talk business as well? Or yeah, yeah, life, just... business. We've been friends since school, so... You know, we're pretty much sisters at this point, I, I reckon. But yeah, we talk about business and dealing with clients. If there's a weird email to be sent, we'll sort of run it by each other to sense check it and stuff like that. So that's that's really useful. Yeah, that's nice to have. Mm. Okay, so you work from home. Yes. How how about like the, I always say work-life balance and slightly mm. cringe when I say the phrase, yeah. but 
it's true, especially if you're working from home. How, how do you, you obviously like working by yourself, but um, how do you find that? I always find it's a, a difficult one because I see being a designer as kind of a lifestyle. That sounds really bullshitty, um, <laughs> but it's kind of it's it's ingrained into who you are. I find if you're doing it right, anyway. I think so. I don't really see a difference between my work and my actual life. It's just whatever I happen to be doing. I mean, I probably do focus too much on work, maybe. I mean, it doesn't help that my desk is in my living room. I don't have a separate office, which is quite frustrating sometimes because my my work is inherently quite messy. There's loads of paper and bottles of ink and everything, so I've always got everything everywhere. But, I mean, I don't... I've got a very straightforward way of thinking about work. You know, if I've got a lot on, but a friend wants to go out for dinner, I don't, you know, people are having kids, people have busy lives. I don't have that opportunity very often. So I will just say, okay, work down. I'm going to go and see my friend. I'm not someone who's boasting on Instagram about working at midnight and working through the weekend. If I have to do that, I'm not very happy. I see work very much as work which I feel kind of contradicts what I said earlier but in my head it makes sense (laughs) (laughs) I suppose I'm never really I'm never really mentally detached from my work because I'm always I've always got that mindset on if I'm on the tube and I see an advert and I'll see a sort of handwritten in inverted commas um font use and I just think well I could have done that and I could have done it better so it's never sort of switched off it's part of my life but the physical act of doing work, I'm very, you know, I like to keep it Monday to Friday where I can, um, nine till six, shorter if possible. Um, I've, I've got no issue with going to the gym or going out for dinner or seeing friends or just watching TV. You know, I, I don't, I'm not going to fall into that trap that other creatives seem to put out on the internet of working all the time. And if you're not working 12 hours a day, you're failing. And if, you're not working the day after Christmas. What What are you doing with your life? No, I'm taking two weeks off for Christmas. I'm, that's what I'm doing because I like to eat food and I like to relax. So that was a very that was a very jumbled response, and I don't know what you're going to make of that. But that's right. We'll, we'll send it off to the freelance therapist on next week's episode. And <laughs> welcome to the inside of my brain and the inside of someone's <laughs> brain who doesn't talk to humans very often. <laughs> No, do you know what? I think a lot of people will relate with that is that it's that thing where it sounds like you, you're you often thinking about work because yeah. you can't help it. Yeah. And physically, it's right there in front of you in your in your life. But equally, you are very happy to leave it behind and not feel guilty about the fact that you're going out for dinner or just sitting down and watching Netflix or whatever. Yeah. When it when you do those in store things, and mm. so if you've not seen uh, Julia's stories or whatever, she'll she'll like go into. Uh, is it like Molten Brown, like fancy? Yeah, I do. I um I work for I do work for the modern calligraphy company, and they'll send me out to stores like Molten Brown, Joe Malone, Selfridges, um, so fancy places. So the modern calligraphy company. So they like an agency type thing who get you that work they're a calligraphy company at the heart of it they run workshops and do events and they also provide calligraphy services and things they sort of hired or worked out a network across the country of calligraphers to work with them so i'm a kind of london calligrapher i'll take care of 
um, companies that are in London or in Kent. So yeah, and it, it's so much easier for me because I, if I did the events just by myself, I'd be the one who had to liaise with the head offices of these companies, sort out money, sort out all the nitty gritty. Mm. But this way, I can just be sent somewhere on a certain day at a certain time, and that's that's my involvement. And I really like that because it's really it's just the actual lettering part. It's just the calligraphy that I have to do, and I don't have to worry about the business side. So that's really great. That is good. Yeah, it sounds like having a. A niche within design has really helped you focus. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I know that's the whole point of a niche, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe that sounds like a really stupid question. But no? um, is, is there then a niche within what you do? Um, there probably is. I mean, I've heard of someone out there. I don't know who, but I've, it's sort of a another lettering artist told me that there is someone who only does lettering in chocolate. So you can get super niche, <laughs> super niche. I don't like it quite that at that level because I, I think I'm quite rare in that I work in loads of different styles. Most lettering artists will work in quite um, – They'll work in a certain style or, a callig- or they'll just be a calligrapher or they'll just be a lettering artist uh, for commercial purposes but I, I like to do both so I work in calligraphy I work with a brush I work with like digital lettering all sorts of things and the nice thing I found about working with um, publishers is that quite often they'll like a style on my website but they'll want it slightly altered or they'll show me a style they're aiming for and they say can you do this so I say yes not knowing if I can or can't but I give it a go anyway and it works out so far um so it pushes me to work in all these different styles and add to my catalogue. So I know there's that whole mm. thing of, you know, jack of all trades, master of none or whatever, but I would get so bored if I was just doing the same style of lettering over and over again. I love that I can work in all these different styles, more fun styles, more sophisticated styles, chalk, ink, paint, my iPad, whatever. Like It just keeps my workload really varied and it just keeps it interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? So, uh, my first event job was writing the lyrics to Ice Ice Baby on a giant mirror at a very posh party. <laughs> Number two is I taught a member of the royal family calligraphy. Ooh. Number three is that I once was filmed for by Japanese television for a segment about ping pong in the office. <laughs> Are you really good at ping pong? No, not particularly. It's just we, we had a ping pong table and apparently I think it was um, a news channel in Japan. They were just, it's ping pong's quite big out there. They wanted to interview people about ping pong in the office in different countries and so me and a few of my teammates had to kind of pretend we regularly use the ping pong table i think it was like the only time i ever used it but we were like yeah it's a great way to get away from your desk yeah and I, i've never used it <laughs> you taught a royal calligraphy yeah. um does that mean you can write by royal appointment like on your website is that like oh no it's very hush hush darling very hush hush so you can't say which royal it was no i all i got on the 
the booking for the day was a first name and an address and it was an address in a very fancy part of London I did so I quite often did I do classes um in in the shop in the quill shop but also I'd be sent out to private residences if they wanted a one-on-one session so I'd quite often go to very posh houses and this time I sent on my merry way and a little voice in my head say oh wouldn't it be funny if it was that person so I got to the house and someone answered the door and it wasn't that person. So I thought, ah, crap, it's not that person. But um, then they stood aside and there she was. And I had to sort of very quickly school my face into the like, oh, yeah, hi, I'm the calligrapher, whatever. Um, so, yeah, and she, she was just having a few gal pals around for a nice evening of wine and calligraphy. And I had to sit there and pretend not to be sort of remembering everything they were saying. <laughs> Wow. So you didn't curtsy or like you, you just yeah. played it cool. Like Very this is cool. normal. This is fine. We're all wearing jeans. It's fine. It's casual. You've not been invited back. No. <laughs> I, was, I was the help darling. I wasn't, I wasn't anyone of any importance. I just sent on my way at the end of the day. And the first thing you ever had to do was write ice ice baby on a mirror at a posh party. Yes, I was sent to a, a posh venue in London. I don't know what I was expecting, but I really wasn't expecting the type of party it was. I assumed it was it was music themed for this very wealthy person's birthday. And um, whilst I was writing the lyrics to Ice Ice Baby up a stepladder on this giant mirror on the wall, there were like official waitstaff polishing cutlery and the florist was bringing in about I don't know, 30 grand's worth of flowers and things to everywhere. And I was just sort of like writing these lyrics. It was very surreal. Okay. These all sound true. Mm. I can totally believe you had to write Ice Ice Baby. I also really believed in royal calligraphy. And yet, where did the Japanese TV come from if that <laughs> wasn't true? So which of these is the lie? Um, royal appointment... I don't know, would they not vet you closer? Would they just let you... Ah! I really want the royal to be true, but I'm going to say it's that one. I don't think you did did calligraphy for a royal. Damn it, call me. I did not. Ah! <laughs> I did not. Do you know, it was so utterly believable. <laughs> Even though you wouldn't say their name, I'm like imagining you there in front of Princess Kate or whoever it might have been. It doesn't matter now. We can make anything up because it didn't happen. Uh, Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Ooh, um, go with your gut. Because if I had gone with how I really felt about various things, I would have never wasted my time doing wedding work and investing in it and printing loads of sample things and wasting loads of money when deep down I always knew it felt a bit wrong so yeah trust your instincts with what work you actually want to pursue that's what I'd say nice Julia it's been so great to speak to you go check out letters by Julia for that matter if you're on Instagram go into the gifs and search for letters by Julia or one word and you'll see some of her uh, gifs come up as well yeah. they're brilliant oh thanks although it's it's almost frustrating. Like there's no there's no way of like monetizing those gifts or anything. No, it really frustrates me. The other week, uh, I had a load of people message me because uh, William and Kate on their 
royal Instagram, they'd used one of my gifts. And people were like, oh, isn't that your gift? Amazing. I was like, yeah, amazing. I get no credit and no money. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like anybody links through to you or anything like that. No, it's great. <sighs> Never mind. So go take a look at beingfreelance.com. There'll be a link through as well to Letters by Julia and as yet the ping pong by julia sideline hasn't <laughs> happened, but we can we can but wait of course while you're there make sure you click through to the community myself and julia are in there so come and find us in there to boot and if you're a freelancing parent don't forget i also do the doing it for the kids podcast with frankie from the doing it for the kids community although frankly loads of people who aren't freelancing parents seem to listen as well so come and find us at search for doing it for the kids at wherever you get your podcast but for now julia thank you so much i'm glad we finally got to chat and all the best being freelance thank you very much